Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. Hope you had an outstanding weekend. Today, pick day of the week, 74 degrees. The humidity, at least for the moment, is kind of lifted. Nice little breeze out there. You have my permission. Get out and enjoy the weather. I'm one of these guys that never complains about heat because Lord knows that uh, we, we spend nine or ten months out of the year dealing with cold. So I go out and enjoy it. And today's one of those just absolutely tremendous days. A lot of stuff to talk about. Let's get right to it. All right. Um, I was off on Friday, but on Friday the, the news broke that the city of Milwaukee Health Department had, in a fashion that I will describe as sneaky, underhanded, and slimy, decided to change the rules with regard to school reopening. Now, let's back up here. MPS announced a while back that they their plan for reopening in the fall was to not reopen, at least for the first 30 to 45 days. MPS had decided we cannot safely reopen. And I I appreciate that. I respect it. My position is and has been that the the whole idea of virtual learning has by and large been a disaster. Now, and I appreciate that there may have been some exceptions and some high points and, and some kids who did well, but it it's a stopgap method. And it's certainly less than ideal. And for many, many kids, and I think there's a lot of parents that would attest to this, it's just not working out. Nevertheless, MPS decided that they don't think that they can safely reopen. And I appreciate MPS has all sorts of considerations that that might be different than other school districts around here. You have kids, for example, who depend on public transportation to get to school. And public transportation has been, at least in my opinion, one of the things that fueled the spread of coronavirus in, in the beginning. So you've got issues with public transportation. You've got class size issues all sorts of different things going on. So MPS decided we do not think it is logistically possible to safely reopen for at least, you know, the, the first month to a month and a half. And, and who knows how long this is going to be. So, OK, MPS makes that call. All right. What happened, though, is you had a number of private schools or parochial schools in the city of Milwaukee who had decided that they believed that their circumstances were such that they could safely reopen. And they were proceeding with those plans, starting on the college level, UWM, Marquette University, a number of high schools, Wisconsin Lutheran High School, for example, Marquette University High School, and a number of other private and parochial schools who have a different considerations than MPS. Maybe they don't have as many kids. Maybe the class sizes are different. Maybe the way the kids get to school is different. All those different things. But those schools had decided that we could safely reopen, and they were planning to do it. Well, the, the news broke on Friday that without telling anyone and without consulting With any of the schools, the city health department had apparently changed the rules. Now, I don't don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but the the rules that everybody had been operating under is that as long as you're at what, like stage four, you would be of the city's reopening plant, you'd be able to reopen the schools. Well, what happened is 
without telling anybody, the health department changed those rules to say, no, no, it's not going to be stage four anymore. It's going to be stage five, which essentially means that these schools are not going to be able to reopen. Now, if I was cynical about this, what it looks like happened is that MPS was afraid that if they're closed, but charter schools or parochial schools or other private schools reopen, people at MPS were afraid that that might be further impetus for people to pull their kids out of MPS and send them to one of these other type of schools. So, again, if you were cynical, you could say there's some collusion going on between the city and MPS to change the rules so that MPS decides to stay closed, but because MPS stays closed, that means everybody else has to stay closed. Bottom line of this is that I appreciate that MPS doesn't think it can safely reopen. That That's unfortunate, but if that's what they believe, fine. I think it is irresponsible and just awful, however, that you would tell other schools, universities, private high schools, parochial high schools, charter schools, whatever, who have completely different considerations than MPS. I think for the city to tell them that they can't try to reopen, well, I I think that that's just plain wrong, and I understand the outrage of the parents. I think just like the suburban schools, in many cases, are going to try to reopen, I think The private schools, I think the parochial schools, I think the charter schools, and I certainly think the universities should have the option to try to do it if they think they can do it safely. Now, they might not be able to pull it off. I I understand that. They might not be able to pull it off. Okay, the Major League Baseball teams might not be able to pull off a 60-game season, but they're going to give it a try. If the parents are on board, if the schools are on board, I think the schools should be allowed to reopen. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, for, for most kids, not all, but for most students, virtual learning is an oxymoron. It just doesn't work. Okay, MPS decides we don't think we can safely reopen. Fine, I I appreciate that perspective. But for the city to then say, well, because MPS isn't reopening, we're going to secretly change the rules and we're going to prevent all the other schools, starting at the college level and then moving down from reopening, is just absolutely wrong. Let the schools, if they think they can do it, safely let them reopen now it might be mean that they have to close down i i fully acknowledge that but i I don't shouldn't they be able to give it a try let's start with jamar in milwaukee you're in wtmj good afternoon hey good afternoon how you doing sir real well thank you sir what do you think yeah, uh, they definitely need to let the schools reopen. We know that uh, kids under the age of 18 are, are not really getting sick, uh, and, and schools are, are, are not just there for education. They're also a safe haven uh, for a lot of children, and they, they need to let the schools reopen. Right. Or at least, and, and again, if, if you've got these schools that have plans, maybe they, they don't have the huge class sizes that you, you have at MPS schools, if they think that they can do it safely – Give them a chance to do it. And and then, again, if, if all of a sudden you have a problem, maybe you have to close it down and move to Plan B. But I, I think they should have the right to give it a try. 
Yes, they, they definitely should have a right. And we know that the, the Common Council and Tom Baird, they are not following the science. They keep saying follow the science, follow the science, but they are not following the science because we know that kids are, are not really getting sick by this virus. Well, I mean, thank, at least, right, to, to any significant extent. But but again, there's always that. You're, you're exactly right, Jamar. I mean, that, that's what the numbers show. But at the same time, look, I, I you, you don't want to take that chance. And I think you have to be protective, for example, of of the teachers as well. And there's a lot of major teachers unions that they don't the teachers don't want to go back to work. They want to continue to be paid, but but they don't want to have to go back to work into the classrooms. And I, I get that this is it's an it's an issue. I also think that parents should have the ability to, again, opt out and go to virtual learning if they want. I don't think the parents should be forced to do that. But, okay, we're, we're talking about private schools. And the sense I get from a lot of these private or charter schools is the parents want to send their kids back. The schools want to open. They've been working for the last several months to develop protocols that they could believe that they can do it safely, whether it's with the masks or the separation or whatever. I, I just think it's wrong for the city to suddenly, in the dead of night, without without bringing in any of the partners and discussing this, simply say, okay, we're not going to do this. And again, it's almost impossible for me to believe that this wasn't a sloppy wet kiss given to MPS because they're afraid that if MPS is closed and other schools are open, that's going to be more incentive for people to pull their kids out of the MPS schools. I just want the kids learning. That, that's it. And if the schools believe they can do it safely, why should the city say no? David in Mequon. David, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good afternoon. Hi, David. Uh, thanks for taking my call sure. again. Uh, really quickly, so this is being unfortunately politicized. If you look at the Journal Sentinel, today's uh, edition, uh, the teacher union are pushing Tony Evers to start all the schools virtually. Right. And the reason why that is, Jeff, is it's twofold. The city of Milwaukee knew that the private schools, charter schools, religious schools, were all going to have in-person, uh, you know, learning for the kids. That puts, unfortunately, and you have another, there's another radio station named, named Nameless that's been pushing this and saying, you know, this is no good, and this is kind of unfair to the public schools that they're going to be at a disadvantage because what's going to happen is some of the the parents would then have that, you know, they would mm-hmm. take their kids out of public school right. and then assign them to private school. Well, that affects MPS in a negative way. And, you know, their enrollment will get smaller. Right. And eventually, uh, you know, that's all this is about. This right. is trying to level the playing field so that the parents don't have a choice. And unfortunately, Jeff, because it's so lopsided in, in Milwaukee, you really have one party rule. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. This was it, this is to pretty much crush anybody's ability to to have any choice whatsoever, and they don't care. It's all right. about when protecting it, right. and the David, institution itself. Yeah, no, David. Thanks. So where, where the question should be. Can, can, what is the best for the kids? See, that, that's what's so frustrating to me. The question is, what, what is the best for the kids? If we start with the premise that again, like, like I say, for most kids, virtual learning has been a disaster and you know we could we could spend the next 30 minutes taking phone calls on it and my guess is if if you have kids or grandkids that have been going through this virtual learning 90 percent of the people would say it it has been a poor substitute 
And and the only question is, how poor a substitute ha- has it been for the in-person learning? So if we take that as, as the premise, we should agree that the priority is getting kids back into school. Now, look, I understand you want to do this in a fashion that, that's as safe as possible. You, you can't guarantee absolute 100 percent safety. You, you, you can't. But you want to see if you can do it in a fashion that is as safe as as possible, or, or not unnecessarily risky, I, I guess. And so that's up to the individual schools to try to come up and develop protocols. And and it, at the college level, you've got a different protocol than at the high school level. At the high school level, you've got a different protocol, it would seem to me, than, than the elementary schools. But I, I think you, you have to give those schools the chance to do it. And I haven't heard one good reason, other than you know variations of what David's talking about, this idea that we, we, we want to we're all about protecting MPS because we we don't want to give another reason for parents to pull their kids out of MPS and send them to schools where it's not going to be virtual learning so as a result what we're going to do is we're going to change the rules in the dead of night with no consultation at all with the, the private schools without sitting down and saying okay um, explain to us, you know, th- these are the protocols for, for reopening. You know, what is it going to be? Is it going to be masks? Is this a situation where d- what what percentage of your kids come to school on, on buses versus being dropped off by their parents? What's the class size? Because obviously it would seem to me the concern – now, it's one thing if you've got a class of 30 versus a class of 14. And, and again, there's all these different factors that are out there. But this one-size-fits-all approach that, that we're going to treat, you know, the, the most busy, the cr- most crowded school at MPS the same way you treat, I don't know, a parochial school that's got a fraction of, say, the, the attendance and has completely different sort of issues. But we're going to treat them all the same. And by the way, we're not going to give any of these parochial schools or charter schools or private schools, we're not going to give them a seat at the table. We're just going to, in the dark of night, decide to change the rules to screw them over. Tells me that we're not, again, about learning. We're not about getting kids back into the classroom. We're about trying to protect the public school system. And if it ends up screwing over all these other kids, we're willing to live with that. Now, again, I understand that, that there's teachers, that the story, and, and David was right, that a number of the larger communities, the teachers unions are demanding that Tony Evers act and, and prohibit all sort, all the schools from reopening. That would be, what's the word I'm looking for? That would be nuts, as I have been arguing from the beginning of the, this, this pandemic. Different communities have different concerns, period. The issues at MPS are different than the issues at La Crosse, are different than the issues in Green Bay, are different than the issues in Watoma. And, and you got to let, I think, local school boards look at, at what's going on. I understand, and I said this last week, I understand why MPS, with the kids taking the public transportation and the large class sizes and the fact that for from the jump, that that the city of Milwaukee has pretty much been the epicenter of COVID-19 in this state. So, okay, maybe that justifies more extreme policies for the city of Milwaukee, at least the public school students. But but that doesn't justify a one-size-fits-all approach all over. And like I say, maybe it's not going to work. Okay, maybe you're going to open up the schools in... Waukesha. Maybe you're going to open up the schools in Germantown. Maybe you're going to open up the schools in Menominee Falls. And, and, and maybe 
just, just maybe you're going to find that, oh, there, there, there's a problem. You're going to have an outbreak and some of the kids go home and, you know, they get some of their parents sick. Okay, maybe you're going to find that out, but maybe you're not. So this idea that we're going to, on the chance that something bad could happen, that we're going to force the schools to close and consign, you know, kids to at least another semester of essentially no education or a very troubled education, that doesn't make any sense to me. If you think you can safely do it and the parents are on board, do it. If it turns out that, okay, this doesn't work, well, then you have to move to plan B. But the city, in this case of Milwaukee, shouldn't, or the state of Wisconsin, shouldn't be telling local school districts what it must and must not do. They've got elected school boards. They operate in the best interest of what they consider to be their parents. Why is that so much to ask for? And, you know, we're... Can't we take politics out of this? And, and can't we just for once try to do what's best for the kids? Is that really too much to ask? This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You've sheltered in place. You've quarantined. And now the wait is almost over. Bob Euchre and the Brewers are back on your radio Friday. It's the Brewers and the Cubs from Wrigley Field. Our coverage of Game 1 of 60 kicks off at 535 Friday night. Opening day on WTMJ is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited and Century Foods. These are, of course, you know, opening days unlike any other. I mean, <laughs> normally it's... You know, normally we're all geared up, and for the last several years, we I've gotten to do the the pregame show and the dugout and things like that, and that that's just that's just not going to flat out be happening at least this year, and who knows how long it's going to be. I really, I really do hope that they're able to get through this. I um, I I, I don't know the my my head tells me. It's going to be tough to pull this off, especially with all the travel. And I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Toronto, the Toronto Blue Jays, Blue Jays, Blue uh, Jays, they're they're not going to be able to play in Canada because Canada has said they're they're not going to uh, allow the international travel. So that all the teams that would be coming and crossing the border, they're they're not going to be allowed to do that. So Toronto is looking for their Plan B, and they will play their quote unquote home games. Um, perhaps in in Florida, where their their minor league team plays, they're they're looking for different alternatives. None of which are are great necessarily, but it, it just it just shows how how difficult this is to do. All right, I sent out if if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty, and I, I sent out a tweet. I think it might have been uh, well Friday. I I was off, and it it just it got passed on. It got a, got a huge response, and I. I, I say this sincerely. Now, now, let me kind of back up here. I I do not live in the city of Milwaukee, but I I grew up here. Okay, we my we moved to you know Milwaukee County when I was like nine years old. And that was a long time ago. I I so I I grew up here. Went to high school here. Came back, went to law school here, could have had all sorts of choices of different places to live and chose to live here. Now, I've never looked back on, on that decision. I love this area. I've seen a lot of changes. Um, I mean, there, there was a time 
where in the city of Milwaukee you could graduate from high school or in this region. You, you had the, you know, you had the factories and the three different breweries and Briggs and Stratton and Allen Bradley and, you know, A.O. Smith and all these companies and, and you could, you could get out of high school and if you had a good work ethic, you could get a, a decent job and you, you could family supporting job. Okay. That, that has changed. I, I've seen dramatic changes in the city of Milwaukee over, over time. And I have always believed that, that one of the things that is key to the success of a city and its growth is the fact that you've got to keep crime under control. You, you, ju- you just do. Because if crime is out of control, people and businesses aren't going to locate in, in areas where crime is, in fact, out of control. That's always been sort of my motivating factor. I have seen, I can't tell you how many chiefs, police chiefs, I, I have seen come and go over the years, starting with, with Harold Breyer and then through through them all. And I, I've seen good police chiefs. I've seen really bad police chiefs. And I've seen some chiefs that were, were in between. I, I sent out this tweet, and I say this sincerely, all right? And, and this is what I, I wrote the other day. Chief Al Morales is the best chief I think the city of Milwaukee has had in decades. And, and I, I do not say that lightly. I To try to force him out because he's unwilling to turn the city of Milwaukee over to the forces of political correctness would be disastrous. I cannot believe the incredibly dysfunctional Fire and Police Commission should be could be so possibly foolish to try to do this. And yet... There is a very good chance that that's what is going to happen this evening. The the Fire and Police Commission has the authority to direct the chief to, you know, do certain initiatives. For example, Ed Flynn came up with the absolutely ridiculous no-chase policy about, going, I guess it's going on like seven years now. Remember, you had a couple instances where there were a couple civilians that ended up getting hurt in police chases. So in a classic overreaction, Tom Barrett and, and Ed Flynn decided we, we don't want to do chases anymore. And so that, that was the policy. And what did it lead to? It, leaded, it led to pretty much every criminal in the city of Milwaukee knowing that you, you, you run from the cops. And, and that led to more crime. It led to more danger. And finally, the Fire and Police Commission recognized that they'd had enough. And so they directed Ed Flynn to change the policy. They have the authority to do that. And in the case of changing the, the policy on chases, it, it was the right decision. Well, what's going on now is we live in this world of, of political correctness. We live in this world of, gee, we can't offend the agitators. We live in this world where somebody wants to block off three sections of Water Street and write defund the police on the sidewalk we can't stop them from doing that, or we shouldn't stop them from doing that. We're, we live in this era where, gee, if you have a bunch of of people who decide that they want to take a peaceful protest and turn it sideways and, and go loot stores or throw bricks at police officers, um, we, we can't use tear gas to disperse the crowd. If we have a group of people that decide that they want to ignore the authorities and storm onto the freeway and, and walk onto the freeway and the police 
tell them to leave and they don't do it, we can't use tear gas to disperse the crowd. I mean, see, that's that's the politically correct world that we live in nowadays. And you've got members of the very dysfunctional Fire and Police Commission, and you've got members of the Common Council who have no experience or concept about what it's like to be involved in law enforcement who are more concerned with trying to appease some of the loudest voices, you know, in, in the community who are, are anti-cop. Uh, you've got people demanding that despite the fact that you've got shootings that are going through the roof and homicides that are going through the roof, we, we need to, we need to de- defund the police, take away 10%, 20% of the budget so we have a couple hundred less cops on the street. Tell me how in any world that ends up making sense. And the answer is it doesn't. So anyhow, I mean, tonight you're going to have a meeting of the Fire and Police Commission to arguably do a review of Chief Morales. The word is they could come out with various instructions and directions to him to reverse various policies. We want you, we don't want you using tear gas. We don't want you doing these different things. And if you ignore us, we don't care about your four year, the four years remaining on your contract. We're going to fire you. Okay. Well, I mean, good luck with that. You want to talk about buying a lawsuit, but I, I don't, I don't so much care about that. I, I care about the fact that you've got this fire and police commission driven by apparently political concerns that's thinking about, I don't know, possibly restraining and or getting rid of one of the best police chiefs, if not the best police chief the city of Milwaukee has had in decades. What good could come of that? And by the way, Tom Barrett, you know, I I understand you're on vacation this weekend up in Door County. That's great. Maybe if you... Maybe it's time for you to come out of your kitchen and stand up and say, you know what, Chief Morales has my support 110%. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We are truly on the verge of going through the looking glass. The Fire and Police Commission should be, in my opinion, giving Chief Morales a standing ovation, not micromanaging how he handles Riot control. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know. What what happens to the city of Milwaukee if if Al Morales is canned or if his ability to lead is substantially limited? My answer is, would the last law-abiding citizen to leave the city please turn out the lights? What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in a moment. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And it, again, if you want to talk about dysfunctional, we don't have enough time to go into all the problems with the Fire and Police Commission, who's been through, what, four executive directors in the last couple years. You've got, but before they take up Morales, the, the chief of the Fire and Police Commission is up for a, a review, a, an ethics complaint against him. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about that more tomorrow. But you know, the, the guy's an attorney, and it I listened to what he did, and it's just look. I, I don't know if it's actionable or not, but you just kind of shake your head, and 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 if what he did isn't actionable, at least in my opinion, it it should have been from an ethical standpoint. It's just, and these are the people that are going to review Morales's job. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't think Morales has been perfect, and I would tell him that. I, I don't. I, I think you you can say that he was slow to react to stuff, but here you have a guy who's facing. 
I don't know, all this political backstabbing, um, who's never really had the support of the mayor because he wasn't the mayor's top choice, um, who, who's had to face the situation of three officers losing their lives in, in the line of duty, who's had to deal with this unprecedented, or at least you know this type of unrest that you haven't seen around here for the last 30 or 40 years, and has every decision you know second-guessed by, by a bunch of backbenchers. Oh, well, I don't think you should have used tear gas to disperse the crowd that was throwing bricks at the cops. Okay, let's start with Judy in Greenfield. Judy, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Yes, I'm looking at a July 3rd article in the journal that says that uh, DeVogas, like you're saying, violated the city code of ethics, lied about his representation of a policy, a powerful real estate person accused of sexual assault and may have promised to reappoint Chief Morales if he would agree to fire the uh, policemen involved in the arrest of Sterling Brown. Right. So I, G. Bogus is not the person who should be in charge of the Fire and Police Commission. He definitely is a, a you know, not a person we should have up there. And who appointed him, Barrett? Well, right, yeah, and confirmed yeah. by the Common Council. Yeah, no, th- I mean, look, uh, that's why I say, I mean, I, look, I, and I, I don't want to go into the particular, I, I don't want this to be personal. I, I really, I, I don't. Um, I, I just... The, the, here's here's the problem here you you have you have a chief which by the way like i say I, i've been through lots of chiefs i could start listing them off and, and this is the first chief that i can remember in the last 30 plus years who's had the support of the rank and file and, and it's it's not to say that he's just gone along with everything the union wants to do but but the he he is a second generation Mexican American. He has ties to this community. He's been on the force for twenty some years, so he's seen the good, he's seen the bad. And I, I don't I don't claim to have a, a close personal relationship with the chief. I, I, I don't. But I, I he strikes me as a guy who is sincere and who who recognizes that you you have to you have to have order. You you can't just allow the, the city to be turned over to the anarchists and the political panderers because then you end up with stuff like going on in Portland. See that Portland, for, I, as a matter of fact, follow me on Twitter. I, I sent out a link to this. I mean, Portland's had 40, 53 days consecutively of rioting. And, you know, okay, maybe not all the riots are as bad as others, but but the, the city is completely and totally out of control, has been that way for the last going on two months. Do we really want to see that happen in Milwaukee? And for all the businesses out there, by the way, the people that have investments in, in the city, the, the bucks that, you know, have all that money committed to Fiserv Forum and, and that area, I mean, okay, do, do you really want to turn the city over to people who are obsessed with political correctness and less about trying to keep uh, public order and safety. Because what's it going to do to all the different investments that are out there if you have, again, we, we end up cutting off, cutting law enforcement off at, at its knees? That And that's the reality. I'm going to tell you something else that's out there as well. You know, if the idea is to defund the police, well, okay, you, you go after a guy like Al Morales because there are a lot of coppers who are eligible for retirement, who I, I think 
are are kind of hanging in there. You decide that suddenly um, we're we're going to replace this chief with somebody who who checks more political correctness boxes or or whatever, and is going to be again be beholden to some of these outside forces. You you want to talk about an exodus? You're 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 going to see it. So you, you might not need to defund the police because you're going to have huge vacancies that are going to be created, and nobody's that's going to want to step forward and and fill them out um let's see uh you know jeff i, I don't know why she here's some text i don't know why chief morales even wants to stay here the city doesn't deserve a quality person um uh well you know that's that that's it at some point in time you you kind of say okay if if you're not going to have the support of the mayor if you're going to have members of the fire and police commission or the common council that are going to be trying to go out of their way to uh, again cut you off at the knees you know there there were some letters over the weekend from some of these uh, again you know w- wanna be politicians who are deciding that they're going to you know go after Morales cuz well we think you should have fired this officer sooner instead of letting the investigation take place well all right, th- th- that's wonderful. But don't you need to look up at the, um, you know, look up at the, you know, the, the big picture? Jeff, I grew up in the inner city of Milwaukee. I have since left, but I'm very troubled by this. The influence of extremist groups that seems to have on city officials is frightening. They wield this power and strong arm to get what they want, and unfortunately, it seems to be working in the name of political correctness. Milwaukee can't afford the additional hits to body count or the economy. I'm praying fervently that those making these decisions come to their senses before it's too late. Well, I I think there's a lot of that there's a lot of that going on here. And and look, I, I, I don't know. Do, do I think that the Fire and Police Commission doesn't have a right to, I don't know, have candid conversations with the chief and, and have discussions about, you know, why did you handle this situation this way? And do you think we could have learned from this? And do you think we could have handled things better? And, and I, I think that, that that's fair. And you want to have you, you want to have an active review board that makes sure police departments don't get out of control. I, I think that's that's important. At the same time, you, you you don't want a civilian review board that sways with the political breeze and says, okay, well we've got this common council man who's who's upset that they use tear gas on a bunch of, you know, would be rioters. Oh, all right. Um okay, that that's fine. Some point in time you have to say, you know what? After you've thrown bricks at cops and you you've had these police officers spit at and screamed on, what what you want to do is you want it you need to be able to use non-lethal methods to make crowds disperse. Otherwise, you know, it just escalates the whole thing. And, and again, I don't think that all the decisions that the police have made over the course of the last couple of months have been perfect. I think if you talk to Chief Morales, he'd tell you, yeah, there, there's stuff that we we could do better as we try to deal with this. I'm just saying, all in, all done, reviewing this police chief's performance so far, and I always reserve the right to change my opinion two years down the line. This chief's performance so far, I think, stacks up under incredibly different circum- difficult circumstances to the performance of any police chief that Milwaukee has had at least o- over the last 50 years. And I stand by that. And to consider tying his hands or trying to force him out would be a colossal, colossal mistake. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show.
And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I want to do something a little different for this segment of, of the program. There are, um, I, I think collectively, a lot of times we, we all, I include myself in this, we, we forget stuff and, and we tend to be historically ignorant about, about certain things. And, and I also understand that you go through generational changes. I mean, for for many of us, I mean, September 11th, 2001 is just indelibly, you know, burned in our brains. I, I could say, where were you on September 11th? And, and everybody knows I'm referring to September 11th, 2001, and everybody knows exactly where they, they were and, and can remember everything that went on. Um, if you are of a certain age and I say, okay, the JFK assassination, you, you remember, I was in first grade. I, I was in first grade and I, I can, I can remember vividly that I can remember that weekend with the funeral and watching the the funeral procession on on uh, on a black and white television set I, I can remember that I, I if you were of a certain age before my time and you say where were you on December 7th 1941 Pearl Harbor Pe- people remember that that those become defining moments in in your lifetime and if they become things that are are this sort of shared collective experience there is another one that many of us went through 51 years ago today. Gru, you know what happened 51 years ago today, right? <laughs> no. You do not. Okay, well, you, you weren't around 51 years ago, but if you were, you would remember. 51 years ago today, July 20th, 1969, was the day Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. The The... It was the there. It was the first, you know, lunar landing where a man actually got out and walked on on the moon, fifty one years ago. Now, if you were alive back then and of a, a certain age, you remember where you were. I vividly re- remember this. My, my, I've said this before. I mean, my mom and da- my dad was from Baltimore, Maryland. My mom was from like the Annapolis area. And so we moved out here when I was like nine years old. And, and every summer for two weeks, we would, the family would drive back to, to Baltimore and my parents would see their old friends and stuff like that. And we'd, we'd stay with my, my grandparents and things like that. And I, I vividly remember that we were on, and and would always as we were driving back, you'd stay the first night like in Ohio, and then my parents had lived in Pittsburgh for a while, and then we'd stay in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then you'd drive the rest of the way. So I mean, I vividly remember being in this like Holiday Inn or something in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on July twentieth, nineteen sixty nine, and watching watching the moon landing and watching, you know, um, <clears throat> watching, uh, again, Neil Armstrong get out and, you know, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I, I, I remember that that vividly. And it was just so incredibly amazing, especially if you remember those times. I mean, this was still at the height of the Cold War. And you had the, the whole space race that was that was going on, and the question was, you know, who was going to get to the moon first? Was it going to be Russia? Was it going to be the United States? And and it, it was the U.S. that ended up winning that race. And it was just, I mean, it was just absolutely riveting thinking, uh, okay, my, my gosh, you know, we're, we're getting televised pictures from from the moon, 
from the moon. Now, now keep in mind one other thing that makes this so amazing. If you ever go to Washington, D.C., and you ever get a chance to go to the Smithsonian, the Air and Space Museum, you know, you, you'll see, like, the, the, the history of aviation. And it's so amazing to me. Wilbur and Orville Wright, you know, the, the first brief, you know, flights and planes, that was 1903. So 66 years later, we're landing a man or men on the moon and having them walk on the moon. In a period of 60 years, we go from, hey, we've got a couple people that are flying in an airplane to 66 years later, we're landing people on the moon. And it's 51 years after that. All right. I, I understand that in asking this question, I'm excluding some of you because you weren't around then. But if you were around... You remember vividly, I think, where you were. So let's let's throw this out there. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you remember where you were and what were you doing 51 years ago this evening when Neil Armstrong first walked on the surface of the moon? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to discuss in just a moment. Let's take... An historical walk down memory lane. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I see somebody somebody asked a good question on the text line. They said, how, how did this get recorded? Who, who filmed this and all? Well, there was a, there was a camera on the outside of, of Apollo 11, of the capsule. There, there was a, a camera that, that filmed Neil Armstrong coming out. And it's, it's one of the reasons why they only have, like, one angle because it was only on the flat surface. Okay, this is – you think you want my job? Okay, this is one of the first texts I get. We got lots of text. First text I get, big capital letters. Now, of course, if you're just tuning in, um, we're, we're talking about the, the lunar landing, Neil Armstrong walking in the moon, which was 51 years ago today. Um, headla- capital letters. We never landed on the moon. Stop giving false information. It was staged. <laughs> I, okay. I, my, my response, in not in capital letters, was, you're kidding, right? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, where were you 51 years ago today? Paula in Racine. Paula, you're first. Good afternoon. You know, I'm shaking my head as you said that, <laughs> just because, really, seriously? I, I, I'm not making this up. In... Capital letters. No, it I didn't don't. happen. It was staged. Stop <laughs> lying to people. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. Welcome to my world. There's always some sort of conspiracy, yeah. Right. Um, I grew up in Southeast Missouri, and I had just graduated high school that May. Um, and I remember watching it on the big old console TV in the family room, probably Walter Cronkite, um, with the knobs on the TV that you had to actually get up and turn. Right. Because you didn't have remote, you know. Right. But it was a very exciting time, particularly after what we went through when President Kennedy was killed. Right. You know, it was just, it was a positive Right. And everybody joined in. Yeah, it, and, it wasn't and everybody around the world. I mean, see that that was it was a moment where the entire world just kind of stopped to watch this amazing thing that we're now Absolutely. at a point where we can we, we've achieved this and and you've put you know the the moon which was thought off limits now we've got we've actually got we got people walking on the moon just amazing. So you remember it very vividly, right? Yes, I yeah. do. Yeah, me well, too. you know, I just graduated high school. I knew everything. You know? <laughs> so. yeah, there you go. Thanks for the call, Paula. Um, let's talk to Barb in Merton. Barb, you're on WTMJ. 
Thank you. Uh, I remember precisely where I was. I was working at an A&W root beer stand in Heartland. Okay. And I was in the kitchen. And Mr. J, our wonderful boss, made everyone stop and say, this is history. Everybody has to watch this. Right. And we did. It was the coolest thing. Well, it it, it, it was. No, thanks for calling. I mean, it, it just, and it was, and it's, again, if you weren't around then, I, I understand it's okay. Maybe it's it's no big deal. The way technology has developed and the fact that, you know, now now we're all walking around and in, in that cell phone that you probably have in your pocket or your purse, the, the, the computer power in there is probably greater than, than the computer power or as great than the computer power that, that they had in all the different giant computers that they had at NASA back in the day. I mean, it, it's just amazing how technology has changed. But it was... Was this incredible experience, and I, that's why I go back to what I said earlier. I mean, I mean, 1903 was when you had the first manned flight, you know, a, of an airplane. That's Wilbur Norville Wright, and 66 years later, we're sending men to the moon and having them walk, and then we're bringing them back. And, and yes, we're we're televising it. And two other people just texted me, said, "I can't believe you're saying this. Don't you realize it was all fake?" To which I just let out a heavy sigh. Let's talk to. Um, uh, Fred in Waukesha, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, afternoon. I was a police officer in Milwaukee at the time, working in Summerfest. I made an arrest. I went downtown to book him, and they had a black and white TV in the booking room, and I watched him land on the moon. Yeah. It, it, okay. So every, everybody stopped getting processed for a minute while we're watching we're watching Armstrong walk on the moon, huh? This is true. No, it may, no. Thanks. So it make make makes sense to me. Okay, you 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 guys, you you three drunks in the corner there. Here, stop. We're we're not going to book you for a minute. Let's all take take a deep breath. And it was see that this is the other thing about this. You you didn't know what was going to happen because this was something that was so. So unique, uh, you know, and it, okay, this is Apollo 11. It's why, if you've seen the movie Apollo 13, the Ron Howard movie starring Tom Hanks, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why, it's, as a, as a world and as a country, we have such a short attention span. A- after the first moonwalk, it, okay, moon landings came and became, okay, well, what's the big deal? And, and that's why, you know, Apollo 13 was such an incredible thing because you have, uh, you know, the, the, the thing, the, the moon landing, the, the mission just goes incredibly awry, and you have this incredibly successful failure where they bring the three astronauts back alive. But you just didn't know what was going to happen at the time. And I think there were still a lot of people who just thought, okay, we're, we're not going to be able to, you, you, you can't do this. But yet, they, they did. Frank and Racine. Frank, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I was 20 years old, and my parents and I, went to a very conservative church. We had church on Sunday nights. Yeah. And that particular night, right in front of the of the pulpit, was a large black and white screen TV. Right. And we sat, and instead of having church, we watched the moon landing. <laughs> right. Now, you, you're saying, you're, you're also dating yourself, Frank, because you're saying large black and white TV. There, there's all sorts of generations of people going, what is this black and white TV of which he speaks? But yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, the color TVs, it was only the rich folks that had color TVs, you know, back back then, and and most people mm-hmm. had, had most of these black and white TVs, and and there were a lot of shows that they were just starting to make shows, TV shows in color back then. Right, so, right, right. Just, yeah, I was twenty years old, and we we the whole service revolved around 
um, the moon landing and how incredible it was. And I don't think we had anybody say, "Oh, that must be staged." <laughs> no, it, that that no, thanks to God, it, that 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 came that came later on. That that it was it's all fake. Um, okay, Al on the South Side. Al, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good morning. Hi, Al. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, I, I vividly remember that. And at the time, I was working for the Atomic Energy Commission, and we built a thermoelectric generator that's probably still on the moon. I don't know if it's still working to send signals back after the uh, astronauts left. And uh, so uh, I was. Uh, so you worked for the atom- you worked you said you did you worked for the Atomic Energy Commission? Wow. Yep. Building generators, right. cool. Back in Ohio, yep, yeah. Oh. And. Uh, we uh, we used plutonium and we encapsulated everything and then uh, from that heat went to a thermoelectric uh, unit and generated electricity for the, to send signals back you know uh, to the to, to the states. It was it was really a great experience. Oh, okay, Al. So you actually you know worked in a peripheral way on, on that program. When if if you're like me and you're getting people texting you saying it was all fake, it never happened. What? <laughs> what no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Th- th- thanks. I, th- right. I th- thanks. I, no. Th- you laugh. Thanks. I'm not kidding. I, I. I'm not kidding. Look at look at some of my texts. Um, Jeff, I was nine years old and remember sitting in my parents' living room watching him take that first step. Even back then, I realized uh, his words of "one small step for man." were very profound. Jeff, I was eight years old at my aunt and uncle's house in Racine. I watched on a small black and white TV with aluminum on the rabbit's ears while the adults played cards in the kitchen. Yeah, that was, you'd have the rabbit ear. Now, keep in mind, this was, in general, it was before cable TV and before streaming and all, and you'd have the black and white TV sets, and you'd have the those rabbit ears, and you'd have to adjust them to try to get the um to try to get the uh the, the signal um there um dot, 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 dot. jeff our family was celebrating my mother's birthday at lake nagawiki with a picnic everybody clustered around the radio to listen to what was happening yeah it's i mean the, the whole world the whole world just absolutely stopped jeff my family was at big cedar lake with friends we were all glued to the Wait for it, black and white television. Jeff, I was eight, and I watched it with my parents in the family room. It was awesome, absolutely awesome. Well, it it, it was, and uh, again, 51 years ago today, if you were alive then and of a certain age, you remember where you were, just like you remember where you were when President Kennedy was killed, just like you would remember where you were on September 11th, 2001, just like I'm sure some people remembered where they were for their entire life on December 7th, 1941. Um, 51 years ago today, Neil Armstrong walks on the moon, and yeah, it really did happen. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. No, we're we're not going. I'm through producing the show today, and always I'm going to do your favor. We're we're not going to debate whether or not the moon landing actually happened or not. Just like, just like we 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 don't talk about you know have UFOs landed in Cathedral Park. You know, we're just we're just not going to do that right now. And I I understand there's some people who do believe that 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 happens on a regular basis and believe the whole moon landing was fake. And I to which I just kind of 
shrug my shoulders and say, okay, that, that's, that's fine, but no, we're not going to go down into what would be the word I'm looking for? No offense, but crackpotville. Yes, that would be it. Crackpotville. Um, <clears throat> Melissa, you're smiling. Uh, well, I'm getting these texts. Oh, the moon landing didn't occur. Stop. I haven't heard all of the texts that you've gotten, but wow. Because, yeah, I mean, it was 51 years yeah, ago yeah. today, mm-hmm. and so we were talking about, you know, for people who remember that sure. and, and stuff, and I was talking to a guy who worked for the Atomic Energy Commission making generators, and one of the generators that they left on, on the moon and all, and so, and, in any event, that, that's that's okay. That's okay. You can, if you want to believe it was all fake, that's just fine. Um, you know, the, the newest numbers, and this, this is not a good story. As a matter of fact, it, it's a very unfortunate story. The uh, Democratic National Convention, when when it was first awarded to Milwaukee, do you remember everybody sitting around and popping the champagne corks? And the, the predictions were this could result in about 50,000 people coming to coming to the Milwaukee area. And remember, we had all these conversations about, okay, what, what is it going to do with the hotel rooms? And one of our big discussions was, do we need to change the state law to allow the bars to stay open until 4 o'clock in, in the morning? And my argument was, well, well, sure, if we've got all these people that are coming to spend money, let, let's take it. You know, let, 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 let's take their dough. Um, th- those discussions have gone by the wayside. The, the latest prediction and this happened um, just a couple days ago the latest prediction is I- instead of 50,000 people coming to visitors coming to the community the estimate is maybe if we're lucky 350 maybe if if we're lucky and the DNC is telling congress people don't travel um you know j- just don't go so if 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 we're lucky you know, you're you're not going to need Pfizer Forum. You're frankly, you're you're not going to need the Panther Arena. You're probably, well, you're probably going to be able to stage this out of the, the the back of some theater or something like that because there's just not going to be too many people here, and that's unfortunate. And re- regardless of what your politics are, this would have been something that was absolutely great for the city, as a, a huge economic shot in the arm, and. Um, as long with so many other things that we can uh, just look back on. Um, this is another one. You, you blame coronavirus because it's a huge blow to the city. But the Democratic National Convention has gone from a big deal to a eh, and and it's getting more of an eh on a daily basis. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I sent out a, a tweet this morning, and it, it, it kind of relates to the Fire and Police Commission deciding that they want to try to micromanage the police department and issue orders to uh, Chief Morales. But it, it's amazing what's going on in some cities where civilian authorities have completely and totally lost control. You, you saw that in Madison a while back where you, you had the police that were actually ordered to stand down and, and allow people to loot and destroy statues and things, things of the like um, that at least in Madison, that has subsided somewhat, but there, there's some cities that are, are just absolutely continuing battle control. Seattle, of course, where you had the, the, the group of anarchists that, that took over what a six or nine city block area that the police actually left one of the district stations and, and turned it over to the, the looters and anarchists and protesters. And, and finally, they, they took it back. Well, it, it hasn't necessarily gotten any better in Seattle. Story over the weekend, uh, Seattle rioters seen 
damaging uh, looting stores, 12 cops injured. So Seattle uh, apparently you know, continues to be one of these, these hotbeds uh, of the anarchists and, and looting and the rioting. They don't have a handle on that. But they've got nothing. They, they've got nothing. Seattle has nothing on, on what's been going on in Portland. And, again, I, I sent out this tweet, if you follow me, at Jeff Wagner 620. I've got a link to this story. Um, last night marked the 53rd straight day of protests, demonstrations, looting, and rioting in, in Portland. And the civilian authorities are completely out, have completely lost control. And it's interesting to me that, that now the feds have moved in. And the, the, the federal government is making arrests and things like that. And now you have a lot of the local politicians who are upset with the fact that you've got this federal presence that's trying to restore law and order. Again, it really shows how, how through the looking glass we've gone that they are in Portland less concerned with the fact that you have people burning buildings and, and looting and rioting than they are with the fact that you've got federal agents who are using tear gas to try to suppress the looters and the rioters and the anarchists. It, it's almost mind-blowing. And if if you don't think that can happen here, I'm, I'm here to tell you it. it it can, and it doesn't take much for civilian authorities to start to lose control of things if they just decide that we're we're going to look the other way. It's kind of like as a parent, if you've got this spoiled child that, that just acts up and there's never any consequences, normally the, the kid doesn't get better. Normally the kid just keeps pushing boundaries and gets worse and worse and worse, and that's kind of what you're seeing. This story out of Portland is just amazing. 53 days. Now, now not Every night degenerates into what we're going to call a, a riot. But there, there's been protests and there's been misbehavior and criminal activity on a lot of them. And, yes, some nights do turn into a, a riot. And, of course, Portland is one of the more liberal cities, progressive cities in the country. And so you've got all these authorities that don't want to crack down on the rioters and the looters and the anarchists. And as a result, you, know, you, you get a community that's just flat out not livable. So you can check that. All right. All right. It's interesting because, look, 2020, let's face it, it's been it's been a year of challenges. You've got all the the social justice protests that are going on. And, of course, this all plays out under the uh, under the the backdrop of covid-19 and what it's doing to the economy and all these different types of things and millions of people unemployed and and everybody worried about whether they're going to get sick and then the the battle that we have you know did the government overreact did the government underreact all all these different types of things and and people looking desperately for a release that they, they they just are and i hope my wife doesn't mind being used as an example of this but she would for for a while, she she'd watch all the briefings, she'd watch the the talking head shows at night, and by like nine or ten o'clock at night, you, you could just t- she was just wound up. It was like and and I get it if if you're watching these newscasts and and the news the newscasts and and the talking head shows they're there to present the news, but they're also there to to get eyeballs. And and so you're you're always going to have the most dramatic approach that, that's there. And in many cases, you know, it's the bad news that sells. And here, we're, we're, the world is ending, we're going to tell you why, and then stay tuned after the commercial, and we'll give you another reason why the world is ending. So it's just like this relentlessly bad news. And, and you go to sleep after watching hours of this, and no wonder you wake up with nightmares, things, things like that. So after a while, 
I, I, I had a I had a two word suggestion for my wife when she would say, "My gosh, this is really kind of like getting to me." I had a two word suggestion, and those two words were Hallmark Channel. Now, I, I I never thought those words would would come out of my mouth because. I'm not really a Hallmark Channel guy myself, but uh, around Christmas time, my, my wife is is tuned into like the. It seems like almost every night you've got the new Hallmark show, you know, the, the Christmas movies. And then, of course, what Hallmark does in July, they they rerun all the Christmas movies. They they run their their Christmas in July, and so. Now she has taken me up on my word. And so now, you know, anytime if I'm in the living room watching whatever I'm watching, walk into the bedroom, the Hallmark Channel is on. And it's 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 one of their different Christmas movies. Now, I say different Christmas movies because they're different, but they're all the same. I mean, you know, it's just that the, the plot is essentially the same. It's boy and girl dated in high school in small town, girl or boy leaves okay so they they separate they then you know fall they get involved with other people those relationships break up girl now works for some big company in new york city that's being and she's being sent back to close down the the local hotel um at christmas time so she comes back intent on closing down the local hotel, reconnects with the boy, decides she loves the town, and comes up with this plan that you now save the hotel or the, the, the bakery or the diner or you know, fill in the blank. But, you know, and, and it's, it's just all variations of that. But they're predictable. They're schmaltzy. They're, they're you know, I mean, very melodramatic. But at the same time, you, you, know, you know they're going to have a happy ending. And, and and you know everything's going to be all right, and you you've got again the Hallmark Channel drinking game where you know every time you know somebody a Christmas Carol comes on, you take a shot. All those different types of things. I bring this up because over the weekend Hallmark announced that um, they had ordered for this year um, forty new Christmas movies. 40 new movies, and, and they're hoping that they're going to be able to produce and finalize all these, even in the era of, of coronavirus, because, you know, movie production was shut down for a while. The Hallmark Channel will air 23 new holiday movies this year. An additional 17 will air on the Hallmark Movies and Mystery Channels. Um, 40 new movies. 40 new movies. Now, I'm reading the, this story that was in, uh, actually, USA Today, I, th- I think, had it. And the, the way this reads is, according to Entertainment Weekly, um, you may be trying to tell yourself that the movies are corny and you won't watch them, but we all know you're lying to your yourself because we, we know that enormous numbers of people are, in fact, going to be watching these. All right, our number. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I, I'm willing to acknowledge that there's some people who, who maybe, what is this Hallmark Channel of which you speak, Jeff? We, we've never seen it. But this is the Hallmark Channel in general, and these Hallmark Christmas movies in particular, are by far and away that the hottest properties and some of the most watched things, certainly on cable television now, and, and maybe, you know, maybe on television entirely. People love these movies. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk about this because there's a lot of bad stuff there. But I think, 
I think these these Hallmark movies, particularly the Christmas movies, and particularly at this time, yes, they're schmaltzy. Yes, they're melodramatic. Yes, they're corny. Yes, they're predictable. Yes to all those things. But I get why people love them. They are a great escape, particularly in these very, very troubled times. And my guess is this year, more than any other year, people are going to be flocking to them. So are you a fan of the Hallmark movies? And if so, why? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Come on. You can admit it. You don't need to be ashamed. I'm Jeff. My wife watches the Hallmark movies all the time. And every once in a while, I get drawn into. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a minute. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and by the way, even though the, the audience for these Hallmark Channel movies, particularly the Christmas movies, is, it is there's a substantial number of female watchers, there, there's there's a lot of guys. You look at the numbers and the demographics, there's a lot of guys that watch this this as well. Matter of fact, I know guys that, that watch these on a regular basis, and they're they're... You know, maybe they're supposed to be watching basketball or you know mixed martial arts, and they're like, no, I, I like the Hallmark Channel movies, too. Mike on the Northwest Side. Hi, Mike. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, oh. uh, just thinking about this Hallmark stuff. It's a way for people to escape the insanity of today's life, you know. People just need a happy ending and kind yep. of a cheerful thoughts. And I'm thinking, you know, me TV with the old comedies, just getting back to yeah. real kind of uh, comedy and uh, real-life decency. Yeah. Right, right, and, and no. you touch and you touch on you touch on pro sports, and pro sports should be anti-political. They should have no politics in them. My my comment on that. No, no, thank, well, I mean, th- these are these are all releases, and and you're right. I mean, it's it's one of the reasons why, like again, the the it's one of the reasons why a show like the Andy Griffith Show survives all these years because it's it's. Good, clean, fun. Are, is it schmaltzy? Yes. Are they corny sometimes? Are they predictable? Well, yes. Yes to all that stuff. But at the same time, it's it's a release. It's an escape. And, and I think now, perhaps more than ever, that's that's what we're looking for. Here's a text. Jeff, starting around November, my wife has the Hallmark Channel on. It's kind of a, a Christmas uh, decoration. Um, yes, I, I, I think that's it. Jeff, love, love, can't get enough. I am so sad because we might not get new ones this year because of COVID. Just a wonderful release. Well, then, uh, to, to you, I, I'm, I've got good news. Like I say, they're committed to 40, and a lot of them have already been filmed. They're, they're in the can. They, they think that they're going to be able to have 40 new ones, 23 on the Hallmark Channel, 17 on their, their other channel. Um, Tom says, and West Bend says, they're nice because you can walk away and not miss anything. Well, right. You, well, you know, you know from the beginning. I mean, five minutes into it, you know what's going to happen and you know how it's going to all turn out. You know what the plot twists are going to be, but it doesn't matter. They're predictable. They're nice. Uh, Mark says, Jeff, my stepmother is full throttle addicted to Hallmark Christmas. I told my poor father there's probably an emotional support group for people like him called Husbands of Hallmark. Um, yes, I mean, there, well, but, but again, I, I mean, I, 
I understand, you know, why why you get this type of thing, and I understand the appeal. Jeff, these are innocent versions of romance novels. We all love to read them and experience true love without taking into account any of the worldly problems that exist within the stories and the settings themselves. Well, well, sure. I mean, there, there is this suspension of belief. You you know. This isn't like the real world that's out there. But and and see again, my my experience with the Hallmark channels is typically my, my wife will go to bed before I will. She'll she'll have the show on. I'll, I'll come in and and she'll be watching the end of it, and I'll want to like she'll be half asleep, and I want to take the channel changer and put on something else. And she's like, "I'm watching the movie. Don't." So then that means I watch the movie, and you you know exactly how it's going to end. But like I say, it doesn't matter. Trudy and Racine. Trudy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Thank you. I was just telling your um, uh, screener. Um, I watched the, all the Hallmark shows that I didn't get to see when my, my kids were growing up because we only had one television set, <laughs> and I liked things like that, and they didn't. So um, now I'm watching. Uh, there's two Hallmark channels: right. the Hallmark uh, Movies and Mysteries, and the other one. And between the two of them, I'm getting my fill of all the things I didn't get to see, like Diagnosis Murder right. with the Dick Van Dyke and a May. The old Magnum uh, right. series, well, they got two Magnums, but I I like both of them. And now I'm getting to see all the things I never saw before, and I'm just, uh, like I said, I, I'm a, a handicapped person, so I don't get out and do things on my own. And I like my movies and, and yeah. my, excuse me, Hallmark channels, and if they take that off the air or if anything yeah. happens to that, those channels, I would go stir crazy. Well, Trudy, I, think that you, you, I will tell you, thanks for the call. I got some good news for you. You don't need to worry about that. No, thanks for the call. You don't need to worry about that because the, the, the Hallmark channel is one of the most popular channels going today. And, and, you know, in an era where we're, we're, you know, you're, you're having more and more television shows that are pushing the boundaries and things like that. And they're always trying to come up with like the next big thing that this, that this is, it's kind of back to the future that this is the next big thing. And I, I think my, oh, oh, for example, you got 40 new movies, 40 new movies that are going to air on that channel starting in mid November or whatever. That tells you how popular this is. And I, I think, and that's the larger point of this conversation. It's as we we all try to find refuges. And and for the longest time, I mean, sports was that. I mean, sports was the place that people went and it didn't matter if you were a conservative or a liberal. It didn't matter if you were a Republican or a Democrat. You know, sports was kind of like the refuge. Well, that that's not the case now. I mean, I mean, sports has become highly, highly political. So, you know, that that it's at least in some respects. So, you know, everything is viewed, you know, through that prism. So a lot of the fun has gone out of sports. Doesn't mean we're not sports fans, but, you know, some of that that fun has gone out. Um, So now, you know, where are some of the releases? Well, you know, one of the releases, okay, it's... It's pleasant. It's family viewing. I think that's something that's out there. I mean, you can sit down and, and you can watch it. You're not going to be worried that there's going to be, you know, bad words and there's not going to be covering the kids' eyes because you know this is being shown or that's being shown. And I'm, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not arguing against the shows that that have that in there. I'm just saying that there is a market for that type of entertainment, and you're starting to see it play out. And I think this year, perhaps more than any other year in a long time, I, th- I think that's exactly what people want, and, and the Hallmark folks are, are giving it to them. So 40 new Hallmark movies. I can hardly wait. 
<laughs> well, maybe I can wait, but but uh, my wife and a lot of her friends, um, I know they can't wait. So it's coming. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Okay, over the weekend, I took one for the team and decided to do some in-person research. Now, you know, the city of Milwaukee has one of the most extreme mask policies in the country. It's, it's not just indoors. The city of Milwaukee is, and I believe it's, it's the only community in the state that also essentially requires masks to be worn outdoors unless you can unless you're more than two yards away from people and that, that as a practical matter that that's that's very difficult to do you know if you're walking down the streets etc um and, and I believe Milwaukee is the only community in the in the state that has it now I, I on the one hand maybe because the city of Milwaukee has been the epicenter of covid 19 from the beginning, Right, maybe a, a more extreme sort of policy is, is justified. I really don't want to talk about the, the merits of that. And as the mayor said when he signed the ordinance last week, he said, well, if, if people don't like it, they can stay home. Or the corollary to that is not go to Milwaukee, which is, I, I think, you know, that that's that's fine. And as somebody who you know doesn't live in the city of Milwaukee, that that's fine. I just the, the idea of of walking on an 85 degree day and, you know, being in relatively close quarters, but walking outside and having to wear a mask, it, it's something I don't choose to do. They, they, they can have the rules and I can because, again, it's. Inside, I understand the mask rules. You can argue about whether or not it should be the government requiring that or whether, you know, businesses should do it. But at least inside, I kind of understand it. Outside, under the off chance that I could be walking into an area where somebody has just sneezed and I might be exposed, I guess that's where I, I have have the issue, um, particularly with, with the outside stuff. But like I say, that that's fine. If you don't live in the city and you don't like that rule, you can decide whether you're going to, you know, go into the, the city. And if you don't go into the city, you don't have to worry about that, that rule. But anyhow, I was kind of curious as to how the rule was being enforced. So over the weekend, I decided to take a little drive through, you know, portions of, of the city, the, you know, the east side, the kind of near west side out by Wauwatosa. And, and I was looking at people outside. That, that was the question. Not, not again, not inside, but people who were outside. My observations, and again, it's, it's just what I saw during the, these two little drives I took, because I was looking for this for, for the purpose of doing the segment. My my observation was that I, I would say the outdoor mask compliance, not indoors, but the outdoor mask compliance, I, I think maybe I saw maybe a third of the people who were outside were, were wearing the masks. And and again, I mean, I, I, I understand it, it's a hot weekend day and there's high humidity and it's steamy and people were outside and I, I just I saw maybe about a third, maybe about a, a third, and I didn't see anybody doing anything. All right, our, our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now Dane County passed this this rule, part of their indoor mask ordinance, and they they don't have an outdoor mask ordinance. Nobody does, I think, other than the City of Milwaukee. 
Dane County, for example, said that if you invite somebody over to your house, they have to wear masks inside your house. And, and I, remit, I roll my eyes at this because nobody's going to follow that. I mean, no, no, I guess I, I'm thinking if we're having people over to our house on Thursday night and I'm so concerned that, that they might be sick or vice versa, I'm not going to have them over in the first place. So nobody, nobody's going to follow that, or at least very few people are going to follow that. This, this outdoor mask mandate, I am genuinely curious as to what the compliance is going to be. When I was driving around over the weekend, I, I, I did not see huge compliance. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Outdoors, are public spaces, are you seeing lots of people wearing masks outdoors? And, you know, do you think then if we're going to have this ordinance, if the cases people aren't wearing them, do we need to have more compliance? Do we need to have more health people going around and telling people, hey, you're, you're outside, you're walking down the sidewalk, hey, you're, you're you know, walking through this park, you better put on your masks. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess my question is, if, if you're not going to enforce this, um, do, do you need, should you have it? And is it reasonable has it ever been reasonable for this outside mask aspect of the rule, not inside, but this outdoor aspect, has it ever been reasonable to expect that you were going to get large compliance? 855-616-1620. And maybe you disagree with my premise. Maybe, you know, you you were driving through Milwaukee or walking through Milwaukee, and maybe you saw everybody outside wearing uh, masks in the 90-degree heat. I didn't. All right, we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, we will get to you. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, I, perhaps I framed this badly in the lead-up because I've, a lot of people want to call in and want to argue the, the merits of masks one way or the other. I, we've, we've had that conversation on multiple occasions. That, that's, that, that's not where I want to go with this. The, the city of Milwaukee has decided to not only require masks in all indoor public spaces, but also outdoors. My, I, I drove around the city. Um, at least not and drove around areas of the city on the weekend looking for people who were outdoors in the 90 degree heat and I saw what what I would describe as is very low compliance with the outdoor aspect of the mask rule which is why Shorewood for example Shorewood the People's Republic of Shorewood decided that outdoors was was unenforceable and that I, I think, you know, based on the science, you can make a strong argument for indoors, outdoors, much less so, coupled with the fact that it's unenforceable, which is why Milwaukee is really, I think, the only community in the state that has this outdoor requirement. I, I don't want to argue whether it's good or bad. I want to argue what what you saw. Is it, in fact, enforceable? And, and will people comply? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text um, line. Jeff, as far as the city of Milwaukee, I saw um, I saw maybe 30 to 50 percent of the people as far as enforcing it. I, I think it's zero. Um, uh, I just don't think it, it's happening. Um, Jeff, wearing masks outdoors is virtual signaling overreach. Um, masks suck. Well, okay, but businesses are requiring masks to be worn inside. I understand inside where you're in closer quarters and things like that. But again, I think, you know, we've been told that all these protests, 
because they were primarily outside, did not lead to a, a spread in COVID-19. All right, well, if that's true, then it's to me it's tougher to justify the mask rule. But Milwaukee has decided we're going with the outdoors. I'm just saying I'm not seeing much, if any, enforcement of this. Jeff, the ordinance has, you know, no penalty. Jeff, once again, um, mask, more rules, and no enforcement. It's Milwaukee. What's the, you know, no surprise there, um, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, have you have you seen people complying with this? Chris, you're on WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Um, I have a daughter who uh, is married and has children, and they live in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And they've had a, a outdoor and indoor mask ordinance since March. Uh, everybody complies by it. It's no big deal at all. Her four-year-old never thinks of going outside without his mask on. It just is a non-issue. There are homeless people all over the Hawaiian Islands, everywhere you look, and they all have masks on. They're given out for free by the police department. It it just has been a non-issue, and they've had almost no cases of coronavirus whatsoever in the Hawaiian Islands. Well, of course, Hawaii is also locked down. Hawaii is also locked down. You you can't get you you can't get to the Hawaiian Correct. islands. Yeah, I mean, so that that I mean, they're Correct. they're 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 locked down. Yeah, right. yeah, right. Yeah, right. so from the perspective, but she doesn't of, feel it's an issue whatsoever. Um, they they just think nothing of it at all. Their kids don't think anything of it. Everybody complies. The police will stop you if they see that you're walking without a mask. They will stop and ask if you have a mask, tell you to put it on if you have one. They'll give you one if you don't have one. Um, but otherwise, she just doesn't see that it's a problem at all. And it's hot there, 80s and 90s every day of the year, and very humid. It rains several times a day every day, and nobody thinks a thing of it. Do you think so, in Milwaukee they should be aggressively enforcing it, if my premise is right, that very few people are complying with it? Absolutely, I do. I don't. I don't know that somebody should be fined the first time that they're stopped. You know, maybe a warning or something the first time. But after that, yes, I absolutely think it should be enforced. Okay, yep. thanks for call. We have to put a stop to this. Well, th- yep. thanks for call, Chris. I, I guess, and and again, that's why. I don't want to get drawn into the debate about, you know, inside versus outside. And it would have been interesting to to have, like, empirical evidence about what what the difference is. And, and, I mean, because, look, again, I I understand the argument that's made inside when you're in the closed, you know, when you're in closed areas and you're, you're together. Outside to me is a lot more problematic, but my point is, I just don't think it's being enforced, and I don't, I don't think it's being followed. And I'm trying to picture, uh, okay, the, the the people that are working in landscaping and, and the roofers and the people that are working on road crews later on this week when it's going to be back to 85 degrees and, and high humidity and stuff. Um, all right, are, are we really going to tell them to wear masks, and are we really going to expect them to to do it? Let's talk to William in Milwaukee. William, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Real well, thank um, you. Is I don't it? really, I don't, I don't really think that uh, you know that that should be something that's really uh, enforced. Just because you 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 have so many people to try to uh, enforce that with, and uh, that's going to be pretty hard uh, to utilize our resources uh, with our law enforcement stuff, so, uh, trying to implement that uh, outdoor policy like that. William, have, 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 you have people with health issues and everything like that. You know, some people have health issues where it is problematic for them to wear that mask. 
William, do you live do you live in the city yourself? Do you live in Milwaukee? Yes. Um, okay. Yes. Over over the last few days, outside, what can can you give me a percentage of the people that you think that you've seen outside that are wearing masks? Yeah, I, I would say maybe thirty five to forty percent. Maybe thirty five to forty. Yeah. Okay. No. Th- no. Thanks. To go- no. That's. And again, that that was kind of. I mean, I I was saying around thirty percent in the areas that that I was looking, and I, I you know, which, I, I mean, obviously, some people are choosing to do it. I mean, I'm just not sure how enforceable th- this is inside. You know, perhaps a, a different dynamic. Bob in Oak Creek. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Yeah. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yeah. I. My girlfriend and I went to the farmers market. Area. Okay. Except her and I, and maybe two two other people. Everybody was wearing a mask. The vendors, and and we were still keeping six feet apart. You know, I mean, but I I wasn't wearing a mask. We're outside, you know. Right. No, and I, I think I mean, thanks. I think a, a lot. Again, the the ordinance says inside or outside. I just. I, I think good luck with trying to enforce that. Jeff, I'm an Amazon driver in southeast Wisconsin. I've been in every nook and cranny of Milwaukee. At most, I've seen a handful of wearing of people wearing masks outside out of the thousands of people I have seen. There is, as a practical matter, just no way to enforce it. Um, Jeff, sorry, I can't believe what the lady said about Hawaii as one who lives here. Um, sorry, but the homeless do not wear masks and disease is spreading so fast that the hospitals are overwhelmed. That's why the state is shut down. That's one of our listeners who, again, lives in Hawaii. Uh, Jeff, I don't think they can plan on enforcing it. They just hope that people will take this seriously and comply. Anyone is better than nothing. Um, Jeff, um, let's see. Um, And again, people want to debate the masks, you know, one way or the other. Uh, Jeff, my mailman had a mask on. He walks outside a route of 31 customers. So far, 19 were not wearing masks. Um, well, yeah, there, there is that element as well. Jeff, Bradford Beach packed 90% maskless. Um, well, that, that was, that was kind of the the sense, Jeff. I see more people wearing masks in their car while driving alone than I do while walking outside. Um, well, that, and again, I, I just I, I raise this question because to me, one of the big questions is if you're, if you're going to pass laws, you have to figure out how are we going to enforce this and and what are we going to do, and, and does that inform you know what we think of. I understand how you can enforce an indoor mask requirement, and and you can put the pressure on the business. You can say, hey, look, um, you know, you're you're licensed to operate, you know, it, you this is what the rule is. We expect you to enforce this. If you don't, we expect you to call the health department, et cetera, or else your license is on the line. You can dump some of the enforcement authority over to the, the local businesses, and, and you can kind of make them a partner. Outdoor, completely different dynamic. And, of course, this was my frustration last week with the Common Council. No, nobody's you know answering and addressing these questions. Nobody's saying, how is this enforceable? And nobody is saying, okay, gee, you know, if we do this outdoors, this is 
this is really going to make this sort of of difference. You know, and it's this one size fits all rule. I mean, to me, the classic example is, like I say, Shorewood and Madison don't even think you need to do the outdoor stuff or don't think it's enforceable or whatever. Milwaukee does. Good luck. And again, we'll, we'll revisit this. And, and maybe maybe a week from now, everybody's going to be walking outside and going to Bradford Beach and walking up and down the beach and walking on the sidewalks. Maybe everybody's going to be wearing masks outside. I doubt it. I doubt it, particularly if there's not going to be aggressive enforcement. And explain to me how that's going to happen. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. But one more thing on masks, and I do want to address it because a number of people are emailing me. I, I understand Tom Barrett decided to take a vacation th- this week, and he was apparently was up in Door County, and there's this picture floating around the Internet of him sitting at a picnic table with his wife and some other people in there. Um, he, he doesn't have a mask on, or at least while while he's eating, and then there's another picture where he has a mask on. And, and people are saying, oh, this is so hypocritical, and, you know, well, it, it really isn't. I mean, because he's up in Door County where they don't have mask rules. So, I mean, it's... It, it's not like he's not following the rules. I mean, he, he's he's following the rules. Secondly, Door County is different than the city of Milwaukee. So, I mean, the issues in Door County, um, I, I think the, the spread of COVID, a lot different. So he, he's complying with the rules. And even in Milwaukee, when you're sitting and you're eating, you're allowed to pull down the mask. So I, I don't think he's, I, I'm not, I'm not going to criticize Barrett for being hypocritical. Actually, Barrett is doing exactly, you know, what he was suggesting. And, and, and maybe this is what other people can follow suits on. The, the idea, he said, look, if, if you don't, we want to wear a mask in the city of Milwaukee. Okay, then then stay inside. My thing was, okay, if you don't want to wear a mask, you know, outdoors in the city of Milwaukee, then just don't go outdoors in the city of Milwaukee. And Tom Barrett's apparently following that advice. He's decided to go up to Door County where those rules don't apply. And that's perfectly fine. People get to vote with their, their feet, even if they're the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. So, um, you know, that's that that's the point. I don't think he's a hypocrite for doing that. He's just he's just following the rules. And he apparently decided hey, Door County was if Door County was where I wanted to be this weekend. And that's that's OK. Nothing wrong with that. And, you know, the rules are different in Door County. Makes sense to me.